This is a Minnesota Native News special report, decision-making, and the COVID-19 vaccine. This program was made possible by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota and is a co-production of TPT Now and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities. Buzu, hello. Miigwech for joining us for a special report from Minnesota Native News, decision-making, and the COVID-19 vaccine. I'm Leah Lem. And I'm Cole Primo. It's been a year since the first COVID-19 case was officially reported in the United States. The virus was declared a pandemic not long after, and since then, the U.S. alone has lost over 400,000 people, relatives, friends, many more infected, some with lingering illness, many with lost jobs and lost wages. Also, we've seen hope, ribbon mask making, healing going virtual, elders getting vaccinated now and posting it to social media. That's right. There's a desire to help protect our communities, but there are also concerns when it comes to the vaccine. There's trauma and health disparities, health justice issues, and mistrust that creates conflict. So how can we move forward and keep ourselves and our relatives as healthy as possible and protect one another from COVID while addressing those matters? So we're going into this subject with those topics in mind to help you approach the subject of COVID vaccines even more thoroughly. As Native community members, uh, we are siblings from the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. We know many of you have complicated feelings and everybody has their own perspectives surrounding COVID-19 vaccines. Some we know are excited and completely ready to get the vaccine. Our dad is an elder and has already gotten his first dose. And some are more hesitant. That's right, Cole. So today we'll hear from Native people working with Native communities in different ways who have shared their perspectives with us. We look at legitimate concerns, health needs, and the desire to protect our relatives. We also address historical trauma and the understandable distrust that exists. In this show, we really hope to provide you with information to help you make a good decision for yourself. Through the words of our four guests, we have a conversation that seeks to share knowledge, address concerns, and provide resources to help supplement the conversations you're already having at home and online. Dr. Anthony Stately is Ojibwe and Oneida, a father, and is the CEO of the Native American Community Clinic in South Minneapolis. Anthony Stately has his PhD in clinical psychology, so he's not a medical doc. He does have a long history of working to get health services to Native communities. He and his staff are working right in the mix of getting vaccines to the urban Native community in South Minneapolis. In addition to all that, he has also survived COVID-19, which was severe enough to put him in the hospital for several days. He's better now. He continues his work to make sure the people that he and his amazing clinic and staff help stay healthy are best served now that vaccines for the virus are being made available. The reason we've been able to survive as a community is because we have used our ability to make good decisions based on our thought processes, right? We've, we've had prayer. We've had help from our ancestors. We've used our intuitiveness, which as creator gives us, you know, that, that sense of feeling in our gut. And all of those things, including conversation with each other, has to be part of the decision-making process about what's safest for us in terms of our families and in terms of our community. That's the best way to sort of make these kinds of decisions in these life or death matters. Options are coming out now. Anthony Stately acknowledges perspectives, the need for the vaccines, but people still have complicated feelings towards it. 
knowing that there are Native professionals there to advocate for Native communities, that's an important step towards accepting the vaccine. There are both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, both require two doses, the initial shot and a booster shot about 20 or so days later. Moderna is approved for those 18 years of age and older, and Pfizer's can be taken by those 16 years of age and older. They are both about 95% effective. What we, what we know is that black and brown people die faster from COVID-19 when they do get sick. And that's true of Native Americans in Minnesota. It's true of Native Americans all across the country. The fact that we've been able to successfully advocate for Native people and people of color getting faster for some communities, specifically ours, is, an, is a testament to how well we've been able to use the data that's out there to, to say, you know, this is about a social justice issue, a racial justice issue, and this is about fairness and health equity. The first vaccine in Minnesota was distributed by the Indian Health Services in Cass Lake. They gave vaccinations to healthcare workers on December 14th, and the following day, the first vaccination in the Twin Cities area was given at the Minneapolis VA. And the Native American Community Clinic, or NAC, started vaccinating staff before the new year. However, it wasn't compulsory for staff to be vaccinated. In fact, NAC surveyed staff first to see how likely they'd be to get the vaccine when offered. Some wanted it, some didn't. Our, our staff, I think, in some ways mimicked what we were seeing um, in the community and, and mimicking what we're seeing in some of the national dialogue. Like, well, I don't trust how rapidly it was developed. Um, you know, the best comment we got, which is probably from a Native person in the clinic, was like, um, I'll take the vaccine when the government stops lying to us. I was like, well, that when is that going to happen? <laughs> The ingenuity and swiftness creating the vaccine is a nod to modern science and those involved in the trials. The comment about the government lying is a common concern. Dr. Mary Owen, who's Clinkett, is the president of the Association of American Indian Physicians. She's an assistant professor and the director of the Center of American Indian and Minority Health at the University of Minnesota Medical School, located in Duluth. It did come out really fast. It came out really fast because it had to. <laughs> because when we're losing 3,000 people a, a day, we need a rapid response. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's reassuring to know that Native physicians and African-American physicians and scientists are watching closely for any potential problems with this vaccine. The speed at which the vaccines have been tested and approved has also been a source of hesitancy. Dr. Mary Owen is working with other Native health experts to get the word out to the Native communities that the COVID-19 vaccine is not only safe, but crucial for the Indigenous people who have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. And uh, she's leveraging her position at the Association of American Indian Physicians to do just that. But as the president, I recognize that there is going to be huge need in our communities because of the potential for vaccine hesitancy. You know, um, just like in African-American communities, our communities have had have naturally so much distrust of government and health institutions because of the bad, um, not so positive things that have happened. I think at what people feel like are the hands of those institutions. But while Dr. Owen does understand the hesitancy, she believes that getting the vaccine is a good idea. In fact, she's already received the vaccine herself. She addresses briefly some of the main myths around the vaccines, many of which you might have seen on social media or heard in conversations. And then also addressing um, the things that are not true, the myths out there. 
like the fact that we are being guinea pig. That is not true. We're getting these vaccines because we are being so impacted. The myth about uh, that you nugget that this came from, nugget of truth, like uh, there's some common protein that has something to do with a placental protein. I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but it, that's it. It's just this little tiny grain of connection, but there's no truth behind it. There is not sterility caused by these vaccines. In order to talk about this more, we need to take a moment to look at history and how it continues to impact us today. Before we talk about the specific myths, we should point out that there were many natives, about 400 of them, involved in Pfizer's vaccine trial. And native medical experts like Dr. Mary Owen are committed to the health of native communities and are paying close attention. It's not like we're just sitting back and saying, bring it on. We have um, had people uh, monitoring really closely, particularly our African-American um, brothers and sisters, because they have more of the person power to be able to do that. They're more highly represented because their population is so much greater than ours. There are positive signs. Some trust is building after all. Uh, I mentioned the natives being involved in the Pfizer's vaccine trial, but still distrust remains. When you look at why there's this medical distrust, it's both shocking and understandable. There have been reports of involuntary sterilization of thousands of native women in the 1970s. Some of the survivors were told they'd lose health benefits and possibly custody of their children if they did not allow the sterilization. There was also a diabetes study done with an Arizona tribe a while back. Basically, the data gathered from uh, their blood was used for more than what was intended, like studies on schizophrenia, ethnic migration, and population inbreeding. There was also reports of Alaska natives being given a radioactive iodine in U.S. military testing in the 1950s. So there are many examples of this trust in healthcare and medical systems being fractured, if not broken, for many Native people and tribes. That's so true. So how does that affect us today? How does it keep affecting us? Brianna Michaels, from the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe, works with the American Indian Resource and Resiliency Team at the University of Minnesota Extension. Her work focuses on historical and intergenerational trauma and healing. Historical trauma, I believe, is something that maybe not everybody fully can can grasp. Um, I've often heard people talk about, well, that happened way back when. That doesn't that doesn't affect me, you know. And and that's not necessarily the case. There's this notion of um, blood memory and epigenetics, right? And and blood memory was something that our our communities, our indigenous communities, have known for thousands of years, right? And, and now, just now, science is, is catching up to us. In addition to continued health injustice and racism experienced by Black, Indigenous, and people of color, there's historical trauma that's carried through the generations and still can be felt today. The broken promises with treaties overall, I mean, that's one example. The, the masterialization of women, you know, that's that's another thing. And I feel like there have been so many situations where tribal communities, you know, have been wronged by the federal government. So when they say, you know, hey, here's this vaccine that's going to help you, again, it's that trigger that's coming up for people. Why should I trust you? You know, why should I, why should I trust the federal government? Why should I... Why should I trust the the Trump administration? Why should I trust, you know, even Indian Health Service? You know, like why why should I trust, you know, these institutions that have been 
the demise, or at least one of the, a big, huge foundation for the demise and the genocide of our tribal communities. Anthony Stately recalls his time in boarding school when he was given a vaccine without consent. I had a memory when I was in boarding school of like getting a, some type of vaccine and we all just laid on our beds and the nurse came through and like gave us a shot. Like, and she just like lockstep, not even a, a, a consenting process in that, in that regard. So let's talk about what's going to be different. How to start from a place of understanding and trust. You're listening to a special report from Minnesota Native News, Decision Making and the COVID-19 Vaccine. This program was made possible by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota and is a co-production of TPT Now and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities. Today we're having a conversation that seeks to share knowledge, address concerns, and provide resources as you and your family decide what's best for you concerning the COVID-19 vaccine. What we're going to have to do with patients is help them to begin, help them understand like what they're consenting to, um, read some paperwork to them, give them you know, an overview of potential side effects and those kinds of things. Again, that's Anthony Stately, CEO of the Native American Community Clinic, or NAC. He knows that increased understanding across the board is going to be necessary for people to trust that getting the vaccine is the right choice. Native medical professionals and other leaders are helping our communities learn more about the vaccine. We've seen elders and frontline workers posting pictures to social media as they receive their doses. Anthony Stately highlights what's at the core of consent is making a well-informed decision and feeling good about it. Sovereignty and self-determination and all those other things. And that applies to healthcare as well. If people do not want to take the vaccine, we won't force them to. Um, I'm, the, I'm a believer of like you give people good information and you explain things that are confusing to them and you help them make the best decisions for them. NAC and their partners are planning a town hall to address questions and misconceptions. The Association of American Indian Physicians has been releasing videos. There's a native hotline dedicated to answering questions about COVID. And through native-led information sharing, there's more trust. Honest sharing of facts from trusted sources. Here's Dr. Mary Owen. Distrust can manifest in lots of different ways. One is hesitancy on vaccines less compliance with medication or recommendations by the healthcare providers, um, people not quite as um, willing to follow up on their appointments, um, uh, all sorts of different ways. That's why those important, those relationships, when you um, are working in, within a, um, a tribal health or an Indian health service setting, um, those relationships are critical and they've got to, you've got to take the time to establish those with all of your patients before you're going to get much further. To, to address that, just that. It's a, not a distrust of an individual is my um, experience. A distrust, it's a distrust of institutions. So, and the best way to deal with that is to be honest and say, get it, I get it, been there myself. Um, how can I help you? Um, how, can, how can we get past this together? For me, as a physician, I uh, treat it just like when I'm in with a patient. I'm just trying to be honest. Look, I know this trust is there, distrust is there. I know it's why it's there. I've had some of the same distrust myself at times with um, health systems. But this is a disease that is killing us at numbers that we cannot continue to withstand. It's killing folks who help us get better and stronger. It's killing our elders who carry our traditions. 
and our our language. And we know that we are getting stronger recent more recently, just in the last you know, 10 whatever years because our traditions are, um, we're getting empowered again because with our traditions and with our language. Those people hold those things. We can't lose any more of them. So that's, the, you know, just honesty. I get it. I understand it. So this is this is a big point. Uh, there's a lot of unnecessary loss of Native elders happening during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Dr. Mary Owen says that getting vaccines is a crucial part in preventing that from happening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, our elders are so precious. And like she said, they're carriers of our language and traditions. And when we lose a first speaker of our language, that's felt very deeply. I know I... And I'm sure you, Cole, and many, many others want to protect our elders as much as we can. And there's many ways of doing that, you know, bringing them food and medicines and um, talking to them on the phone, but also getting a vaccine. Yeah, I mean, it it does hit home because our dad, you know, he's a first uh, language speaker and we want to do all we can to keep him safe and um, we're glad that he, you know, got his first dose of the vaccine, and he's well on his way. That's right. A second dose yeah. is coming up. It's exactly. on the calendar. <laughs> so we're switching gears here a little bit, and we're going to hear from Anthony and his story with getting COVID. Anthony's story starts with his son, who started getting sick in early mid November. Anthony and his partner have 13-year-old twin boys. The whole household ended up getting sick, but Anthony had the most severe illness. He had mild symptoms for several days. He was achy, but he also kept track of his oxygen levels at home, which were doing fine until the morning of November 23rd. His oxygen levels had dropped, and he was also starting to feel really, really rotten. I felt by the end of the day, like there was an elephant sitting on my chest and I just, I know it just was really hard. Like, so I was like, uh. so then I was like, I should go to the hospital. Right. And um, so we had to have a conversation as a family about what that meant. And, and it was really hard for me because I didn't know, you know, I, I, I kissed my sons and I hugged them. And, and at that point in time, like you're making that decision and you're like, lots of people are going into the hospital and they're not coming out. Anthony was admitted to the hospital right away and was on oxygen for about four to five days. Anthony realized he needed some things from home. When he left for the hospital, he didn't really plan ahead, so he called his sister and asked for a few things like clothes and other items. Can you bring me a smudge bowl and some cedar and sage and tobacco, some sweet grass, um, the four sacred medicines? I know I can't burn them in the, in, in the hospital, but I can still hold them and pray with them. And then that second night I was there, um, a couple of my elders called me and we talked and I reached out to a couple of people and talked to them because I was scared, you know. One elder said, hold that smudge bowl in your lap and say some prayers, um, ask for help, ask for protection. Another elder told me, speak directly to that spirit of COVID because all things have a spirit. Tell that, tell that spirit of COVID that, you know, it visited you for a reason. Have a conversation with it. You know, um, 
the second full night I was there, I was like laying in bed and scared and I heard another person crying and, you know, saying, oh, no, 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 over and over. And I want to go home and those kinds of things, you know, and I thought I, my first intention was to, I grabbed a smudge bowl that I, to pray for them because I like they, you know, they sounded like they needed um, support, right? And I was thinking in my head, I was like, you know, do they not have loved ones that can reach out to them? They can't see their loved ones and whatever. So I grabbed the bowl and I said a prayer for them, you know, ask creator to like, you know, pity them and be compassionate with them and help um, calm them, make them feel safe. And then I was like, well, I don't feel safe. And so I said a prayer and my prayer was really clear. I, I, I talked to the spirit of COVID and I said, there's a reason you came to my family and the reason you visited me. And I said, I think I understand what the reason is. So I'm going to ask you to move on and kind of thank the spirit of COVID for showing up and giving me this opportunity to learn some personal and professional lessons, but mostly the personal lesson, understanding the value of life, right? And not taking for granted any moment that you are able to draw a breath and not taking for granted any of the relationships you have in your life. And then I said a really simple prayer to the creator. Actually, it wasn't like all that complicated. I said, creator, I'm not ready to leave. I have sons I have to raise and I have so many people who I love, who I know love me and who are not ready to say goodbye to me and I'm not ready to say goodbye to them. And I definitely know that I feel like I still have a lot that I can contribute to the work that needs to be done in my community. And that's really important to me. I have so much left that I need to complete. So I have to stay. I want to stay. And I said, please let me stay. And that was like this, the night of the second day and the, sec, the third day, things were getting a little bit better. And then, you know, pretty much from that point forward, on the fourth, fifth day, the doctor was coming in and saying, well, you're looking good. You're responding really well to the experimental drugs we're giving you. And um, if things look this good next week, you can get out of here. And good news, of course, uh, Anthony's family is now all That's recovered. As you can hear, we as Native people and, you know, anybody, we can utilize uh, different ways of being healthy and resources uh, in tandem. Like we don't have to just pick and choose one way or another. Uh, and we can care for our communities and care for ourselves by using what's available. I recently, uh, you know, worked with Anthony just to talk about their integration of spiritual Know, care into and uh, you know traditional medicine care into their health care so it's great to see that that's you know continuing yeah and just to highlight uh, Anthony did talk about finding out that he had or has type 2 diabetes like he didn't know before his hospital stay which is another risk and it just goes to show how important preventative care is uh, and overall health and continuing your care during the pandemic. Even if it's not COVID, uh, it's still good to make sure you're healthy. So while we wait for vaccines or have those decision-making conversations, more info is available around COVID in general as well. Kelly Miller of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe is the director of the Department of Indian Work at Interfaith Action of Greater St. Paul and is one of Minnesota Department of Health's COVID-19 community coordinators. For that role, she helped put together a COVID hotline for the Native community in the Hennepin and Ramsey County area. 
each COVID community co coordinator is essentially a COVID resource hotline. And you can call this hotline You can um, to get resources on COVID, testing, symptoms, just to vent or talk to somebody like, hey, um, you know, I was around somebody that was tested positive for COVID. What do I do now? And then we will, we're not doctors, so we don't give out medical advice, but we do have all of the governor's you know, resources, all of MDH's um, resources and referrals and recommendations, and that's what we give them. And we also can sign them up for testing if they need to get tested for COVID. We can register them at a free testing site. Um, housing resources, any of that information COVID-related, we are there to help Kelly has been receiving calls on the hotline about the vaccine, too. Native folks with a lot of questions. We've been getting calls asking about vaccines and where do I get that? I want to get it. I don't want to wait in line. I want to be the first, you know, I'm an elder. And um, just trying to find those resources because it's so up in the air right now about, you know, who's going to get them and what phases, you know, we know what phases they're going to be rolled out and who is going to be getting them first. Kelly also understands the hesitation to be first in line to get the vaccine. Kelly said that St. Paul Indians in Action hosted COVID-19 focus groups to find out what the community needs, and they're planning to do focus groups about the new vaccine as well. Kelly has decided that she and her family will get the vaccine when they can, but she doesn't know anyone personally that's been given it. Making those decisions requires many things. Knowledge about COVID and vaccine options are part of that discussion. Also a reflection on how it fits into values and culture. Here's Malak's Band of Ojibwe member, Brianna Michaels again, who works with historical and intergenerational trauma and healing. Yeah, so I'm a believer of vaccines. I do believe that vaccines have helped our communities, our, our indigenous communities survive. Vaccines are helpful and can be a great tool in moving towards healthy communities, though there's added complexity with the surrounding trauma and distrust. Having openness to learning more and remembering one's values and culture can help us work through those feelings. Learning about your culture, figuring out what your values are, what's important to you, you know, those are some really good places to start. One of the things that I know that I can do is I can learn everything about the vaccine that I can learn. I can talk with my leadership, whether that's health and human services within my tribal community, to understand what are the implications of this vaccine, what are the pros, what are the cons, and really weigh out those risk factors um, and really making that conscious decision and, and having that decision also come from like your intuition. Like what is your intuition telling you? What is spirit telling you? That's always a good way to go to tapping into that source. Vaccines will be more and more of an option as time goes on. Some have already received vaccines, some are ready to get it, and some need time to talk it over or have decided not to. We want to protect ourselves, our relatives, and our communities while maintaining self-determination, sovereignty, and consent. We can all continue to protect one another by washing hands, wearing masks, distancing, and keeping one another in mind as we go about our day. We hope you find this discussion helpful as you go about making your own vaccine decision. Check out the Minnesota Native News website where you can find resources we mentioned today, such as the COVID-19 hotline, more conversations about COVID and the vaccine, and video links, all to help you make a good decision when it comes to the vaccine. <laughs>
As a quick note, there are three COVID hotlines for the native communities in Minnesota, one for the urban area and two more for the greater Minnesota area. That information is in there. Just go to minnesotanativenews.org health. That's minnesotanativenews.org health. I'm Leah Lem. And I'm Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us today. Thanks for listening to a special report from Minnesota Native News, decision-making, and the COVID-19 vaccine. This program was made possible by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota and is a co-production of TPT Now and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities. Thank you.